Some people think success comes from hard work. Others believe you just have to be at the right place at the right time. For Jared Couch, it was a little of both. I always say my life's kind of like the pursuit of happiness a little bit. Have you ever seen that movie? Today's guest is a two-time Emmy Award-winning filmmaker whose life started on the streets of Dallas, Texas. In many ways, it was the best start he could have asked for. The pieces of a film are all around you in the world. You just got to put them together. Welcome to Kavah. So I remember vividly, um, my mother and I, we were we were staying with a friend of hers. And for some reason, I don't know why, but we um, were kicked out. And this was, I think it was like New Year's Eve. So oh, we were like homeless on Christmas. And I, I don't remember the exact age, exact age, but it had to be like, I don't know, four or five, maybe somewhere around there. Um, but yeah, I do, I, that, that's kind of a... a a very big moment in life. Wow. So um, did you have a car? Yes, we had a okay. car. So we were actually, we, we were staying in our car that next day. Um, wow. And it was in the Dallas area. So I remember staying a little bit next to Lake Ray Hubbard. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so did you grow up in the Dallas area? I did. I grew okay. up in uh, various neighborhoods around Dallas. We moved up, We moved around a lot in that time period, and then ultimately around sixth grade, so that would have put me around 11 or 12, we settled in the Wilmer Hutchins area, which is just south of Dallas, right on the right. edge. Okay, okay. So um, that's a lot for a little boy to <laughs> shoulder. Um, do, you, do you know what led up to that? No, I know we were always financially unstable, okay. um, and I, I, I have never met my father to this day, okay. um, so that's probably a lot to navigate as for a single mother. Right. Um, so, so, yeah, that's, that's kind of where we were at that point. Jared was in the same boat as 1.5 million other students who experience homelessness in the United States, according to a 2018 statistic. These students are 20% less likely to graduate high school as compared to students in a home with a stable household income. But Jared beat the odds big time. His grandfather, who he had a lot in common with, was a heavy influence on his success. So do you have any favorite childhood memories? Favorite childhood memories? Yeah, I... So never, having never met my father, I fell in love with sports early on, which okay. I don't know how that happened, but it did. And I used to, you know, I love playing football in the street. You know, uh-huh. I, have a f- I have a few scars um, from, <laughs> you know, <laughs> going knee first into some concrete steps. Yeah. Um, and I used to collect, you know, baseball cards and football cards. And I actually used to cut out articles and put them in one of those uh, big binders that you yes. you have photos in. Yes. Uh, so yeah, no, I, you know, I used to love sports. I started listening to sports radio 
when I was like uh, 10, 11 years old, which a kid should not be listening to the ticket in Dallas at 11 years old. <laughs> but I had the humor of a 50-year-old man oh. when I was like 11 or 12. Oh, that's funny. Well, uh, so who was in your family of origin? So your biological father was not present. It right. was your mom. Did you have any siblings? I am an only child. Okay. Uh, so it was just me and my mother. Uh, my gr- my grandfather played a, a massive influence mm. uh, from about sixth grade on. Oh. Uh, so, yeah, it was me, my mom, and my gran- grandfather for the most part. So do you have any good memories of your grandfather? Oh, yeah, I got a ton. No, he's, uh, he was probably the hardest working man I've ever encountered. Wow. He, you know, even, I mean, three days before he passed, he was working. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, no, he, I remember one time he, so he used to work on, he used to, when you asked him what he did, he was like, I dig dirt. Basically, he ran one of those big front loaders where he yeah. would, uh, worked for a gravel company, and he would just say, I play in dirt all day. Oh. But he, he was working on the, the big tractor, and he, the, the hood came down and crushed his hand. Oh. And he, he had this big Terminator like contraption on his hand for a, a long time and as soon as that thing came off he was back fixing on cars and working wow. um there, there was no such thing as physical therapy for him it was wow. all right i'm good i'm good to go so yeah he was he's such a hard worker um and he, he was a good man that's awesome so is that your mom's dad Yes. Okay, wonderful. Uh, so what are some of the significant experience experiences that you faced in your upbringing that you would like to share? Uh, that's a great question. Um, I would say, you know, definitely having, you know, grown up, you know, extremely poor. Um, right. That's, that's a challenge in and of itself. And I remember moving around a lot as a kid. I went to six schools in one year. Wow. At, at one point, yeah, I was just, I was always the new kid. You know, I was, <laughs> and maybe that, that explains a lot as an adult or even when I was in college, I'm able to adapt. You know, they right. call it code switching, <laughs> code switching. Yes. I had this professor, this advisor, and he was like, you can go between groups of people very mm. seamlessly. Wow. And, so, yeah, I went to six schools in one year, and they actually thought I, I was dyslexic, but they mm-hmm. thought I was kind of, um, I was mentally handicapped, right? Not, I don't right. know if that's the right word. Like it had was, a learning disability? I, a learning disability, yeah. I had a learning disability. And when we finally stopped and stayed in one school yeah. for six months, my grades went from, like, C's to all A's. Wow. And I remember at that time that being a big moment, and everybody was so shocked, Right. Wow. I wasn't I wasn't shocked because I didn't think I was dumb. Right. Oh, I, I'm not dumb. But I didn't think I had a learning disability. Right. But everybody around me thought I did. Right. And so that was a big moment in my life as far as like, OK, I can do this. Yeah. Right? Sometimes all it takes to thrive is an opportunity. Once Jared had stability in his life, he gained the confidence to at least say, I can try and maybe I can succeed. And I think that's been a common theme in my life where, you know, when I went to college, the University of Texas, I was so scared because I came from a underprivileged school and I thought I wasn't ready. Right. And I thought every, everybody there was a genius and like mm. I wasn't prepared. Took me all of a, a semester and I realized, well, these these folks don't work as hard as me mm. um, and I'm not 
I'm not as ill prepared as I thought I was. So, you know, I started just, you know, taking advantage of every opportunity. And the same thing happened when I went to ESPN. When I got there, I'm a production assistant. I'm intimidated. Right. Then I realized, okay, I'm just as creative or I'm, I can be just as creative. I work as hard, if not harder. Mm-hmm. Um, and I get, I wonder if that's, it might be a common human experience where in any new situation you might feel a little intimidated, but I think my life experiences have set me up for all of that. Wow. That's awesome. So how did you get to UT? Well, I, so you mean, well, in high school, I made, I made decent grades okay. and I was, I was involved in a lot of, you know, activities, National Society, oh, uh, ROTC. I played football. I played baseball. Wow. Um, I, was in, I was in the science club. <laughs> you were involved. Yeah, no, I, I, that, the, the story of my life is doing too much. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you burning the candle at both ends and, if and I stick a third one in there so I can oh. get there faster. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, so I, I applied and it came down to UT and Texas A&M uh-huh. and I had more friends in Texas. I think that was the ultimate right. deciding factor. And yeah, no, I just, I I made good grades in high school and and I I think the extracurricular activities help. That's awesome. Well, I will, here's a little tidbit of information. Every time a student moves, they Mm -hmm. lose six weeks of education. Oh, I believe that. So the fact that you were able to overcome that and have, you know, and go to UT is amazing. Like that Thank is you. incredible. So way to go. That's awesome. I actually, I actually went twice. I went and got a grad degree from UT. So, that's, so you uh, got your undergrad, and what is that in? So my undergrad was uh, radio, television, and film. Okay. And my graduate degree was a uh, master's in business administration. Wow. Well, you're very well rounded. Thank you. I tried. That that was when I when I got to ESPN. I. My first thing was intimidation. My second thought was like, "Wow, there's a lot of us here. Uh-huh. So how in the how in the world do I stick out?" Wow. Because um, you know, production assistants at you know a network is just there's a dime a dozen. So I was like, "Okay, well, I need something else." And plus, I was in Connecticut, and there wasn't much to do, and it was cold. So I spent <laughs> I, I spent my nights at Starbucks or the library studying for the GMAT. And, okay. Uh, I was like, well, let me get out of Connecticut. Let me find a way back to Texas. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I get it. I'm not, I don't like the cold weather either. It's not no. fun at all. And, Con- and Connecticut is like, it's it's around the year. It seems like it's like six months out of the year it's cold. Oh, yeah. That's dreadful for Texans. Absolutely. Yeah. Just as things were looking up for Jared, the Great Recession of 2008 hit the United States. Suddenly, his two degrees from the University of Texas plummeted in value so um so you went to did you go to espn right outside out of college uh, out of undergrad uh yes and no it was i graduated in 2007 that was around the great recession right and it took me about eight months to land there and in the meantime i spent time in dallas okay and uh and i'll tell you about one experience so, since we're talking about experience one of the ones i like to tell so when i graduated from ut i got a job doing promotions so essentially i'm handing out flyers or items at the cotton bowl okay it's a, it's a very humbling experience once you get a graduate <laughs> you know a, a, a college degree it was my undergrad degree but you spent four years and you have all this swagger and you think you're the man and then 
now you're handing out Diet Dr. Pepper at the hot bowl. <laughs> <laughs> and this this one moment sticks in my head and probably will forever. Um, I, it was a Cotton Bowl game. I forget what teams it was playing. It was like Missouri and Arkansas or somebody. I don't know. And this young college student, young lady, comes up to me, and I hand her a Diet Dr. Pepper because that was my job for the day. And she was like, who are you going for? And I was like, well, I went to University of Texas, so I really don't. I don't care. I don't have a, you know, a horse in the race. She was like, oh, you went to UT and now you're passing out Diet Dr. Pepper? Yikes. And I was like, oh, that cut deep. It yeah. cut deep because it was true. Yeah. And I was like, because, you know, and, and so that, that really, I don't need any extra motivation, but that was just kind of like. Right. Lighter fluid, like poured on you know, right. my my coals. <laughs> oh my goodness! Yes. So, did you make a choice to- at that point? Uh huh. Yeah. yeah, I don't know if I went back and worked <laughs> the promotions. <laughs> I might I might have done it a, a time or two. Right. Definitely. If I had any, you know, if I didn't have those blinders on or I wasn't like extremely focused, I definitely was after that point. Right. It was like okay. You have this film degree. Let's right. make it happen. Like, what right. are you going to do? Right. Um, and and I do remember that you know a, a month later or two months later, I was you know working South by Southwest wow. for TV. Um, that was only for a week or two, but still, I was able to. You know, it was a great. That was a great experience. Like, I, I ended up carrying a purse one day, and the next day, I was interviewing a famous artist from uh, the UK. Oh wow! And Jared began to seek opportunities like a moth seeks a flame. His only goal was to be in an environment where anything could happen, because maybe, just maybe, it would. Yeah, no, it's it's crazy how life works. Like, what happened was, it was like the UK South by Southwest theme, Uh and the producer I was working with, she was on her side time. She was working for DirecTV, but on the side, she was also doing a documentary for the BBC, and... Uh, which and then she kind of forced me to stay with her until three in the morning, which I wasn't supposed to because I wasn't getting paid. But uh, I was twenty two and I was just there alone for the ride. Right. And so she lost her voice at three in the morning when she was trying to do interviews with the artist she was doing the documentary. So I'm carrying a purse and I'm looking at the cameraman flounder trying to ask questions to this hip hop artist, oh my and he God. has no clue what to ask. I had just been four years at UT and I had my own hip hop television show. Oh my goodness. So, you know, just divine intervention. Right. And so I'm looking at them and I don't want to overstep my bounds, but I'm like, this is bad. So I kind (laughs) of, I I slide, I I like, I I peek in, I'm like, Hey, I didn't even know the guy really, but I looked at this flyer and I was like, Hey, what was it like working with this famous hip hop artist from the United States? Um, He had worked with UGK and you saw his his eyes just light up, the oh. artist. And he just starts talking and talking and talking. And then I look at the producer and she's like, keep going, keep going. So I slide in the chair and I just commence to talking to him for 30 minutes. And the rest of the week, I went from carrying a purse to being treated almost like talent. And I was doing all the interviews because I had built a rapport with him, even when she had her voice back. And uh, so yeah, that was, that's the that's sidebar story. <laughs> that is awesome. It just fell in your lap and you were the right person at the right time. Indeed. And, you know, at that time, I'm like, oh, man, I, I'm about to make it. I'm about to blow up. I didn't blow up, but it was a great experience. <laughs> right, right. But it, it may have boosted you a little bit to know that you were going the right direction. 
Correct. Correct. So did you always know you wanted to be a filmmaker? No, I, again, going back to listening to the ticket, I wanted to be on, I wanted to be a sports radio host. And I, yeah. I don't know if you listen to the ticket, but uh, they are the reason I got kicked off college radio. Oh. And okay. there's, something, there's some things the ticket can do and oh. some things you can't do. As, as no, even the, the ticket gets away with a lot that even professional other radio stations wouldn't get away with around the country. But uh, yeah, no, I didn't want to be, I wanted to be a sports radio host. And, but when I got to UT, I created a television show, and then I also worked on the sports um, TV show. Okay, I was a pro- I was a producer of that, and I realized that I liked creating and building a show and building a business mm. um, more so than talking on the radio. Okay, uh, I love the intricacies of putting a team together, and because mm. it's all a puzzle, the pieces the pieces of a film are all around you in right. the world. You just got to put them together. Wow. That's awesome. Um, so, so you moved into film, how from ESPN? No, uh, okay. actually when I was in college, I did an intern out internship in LA. Okay. And, and, uh, the internship I actually had was at a record label. Well, in the evenings we did this thing called UTLA and it's where we, we get class credit. So we were still going to school while interning by day. And one of the teachers of the class, he was a famous, um, I wouldn't say famous, but he was a well-known producer in Hollywood. Okay. And I, we had to submit a treatment um, for the movie, which is just like a, your blueprint, your kind of uh, rough outline of your movie. And out of the entire class, he liked two movies, mine and this other girl's. And so I, when I went, when I went back to school, I, to, I was like, all right, I've never taken a screenwriting class. So I took two screenwriting classes, uh, wrote my feature film, and then, then I kind of put it on the back burner, went to ESPN, learned the television game. And when I, I didn't really come back to film probably until when I created uh, my most recent t- television show, Washed. Um, before that, I was doing documentaries, a lot of commercials, okay. uh, and, and kind of feature stories. Jared has used his creative skills to reflect on his journey to success. He is producing a TV series that examines the many paths that life can take. Well, so what is your life like today? Right now, my life is consumed by an independent television series that I created uh, three years ago called Wash. It's based right here in Dallas. And we are on season two, and I am in post-production purgatory. <laughs> <laughs> well, congratulations on season two. That's awesome. Thank so you. season one went well. Season one did uh, went, went very well. We, uh, I think our biggest accomplishments were we won Dell's Small But Mighty uh, Award. Congratulations. And thank you. And we were nominated for Best Comedy by the Indie Series Awards in L.A. Oh, wow. And, and we were selected to, I think, four other festivals in season one. Wow. Um, all the way from Harlem to uh, L.A. Okay. So tell me what this series is about. So it is a coming of age or rather a coming of adulthood. Okay. And washed is short for washed up. It's okay. a social me- social media term. And I see it as, you know, when we're a kid, you know, there's this phrase where you're like, when I get rich, I'm going to do this. Right. And 
you know, 30 is a milestone. Mm -hmm. It seems like by 30, I'm going to be famous and I'm going to be rich. Right. Well, a lot of us, um, me included, wake up at 30 and that that hasn't come to fruition. Right. 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 And so this is what the show explores. And it's it's from an urban perspective. Mm -hmm. And the first name of the show is Quarter Life Crisis. Well, if 30 was a quarter life crisis, we lived to 120. So right. that didn't shed. Um, right. Washed, uh, hashtag washed is a social media term, short for washed up. And I thought it portrayed um, what I was trying, the ideas I was trying to get out was mm-hmm. you're too old to just be a dreamer, yet young enough to reach your dreams. Mm-hmm. So now you're in, a, you're in a situation where it's put up or shut up. Mm. And season one was centered around one character, a male character turning 30 and kind of chasing his past while his future slips away. Mm. Season two, we, you know, we had the community support. We had local and national success. So I rebuilt the entire series. So it's season two is more 2.0 because we go from a single lead to an ensemble Oh. Our crew went from 30 people to 150 people. Wow. Our, writer, our writer's room, we have a writer's room now, and it's six people with an even gender split. Um, wow. And we had a new director of photography, so visually it looks different. Lighting, even sonically, it's different. Wow. The soundtrack's still amazing. So, yeah, it's um, it's this coming of adulthood just to kind of bring it all back around and yeah. trying to it, deal with that internal conflict of, growing older and dealing with that. So do you think that people of that age group, do they find it disappointing to, to get to adulthood and just go, okay, this is it. Definitely. It it all varies from person to person. Okay. And I think it all, it also varies from uh, topic to topic. Like Mm. you might be great in this one area, but, you know, say financially, or you could be good financially and you're not great emotionally. So how do you deal with, with that? And it's, and it's also, you know, I, I compare it to, a, a, an athlete, right? I'm a sports guy. So mm-hmm. your prime athletic years in sports is usually like 28 to 32. And the reason being is that you're more athletic at 22, right? but by, by 28, your mental side of the game has caught up to your athleticism. Yeah. And it's intersecting. So your athleticism is still good, maybe not as great as it used to. And the same thing with life, I think, is that, um, and this might not be the case, you know, you could, I could, you know, when I get to my 40s and 50s, I could be thinking differently, but I do see it as in your early 30s, you reach a point where you know a little bit. Like when I was at ESPN, I had all the energy and hard work, but I didn't know much. Right. But now I know a little bit and I might not be as energetic as I used to, um, but now I can put the pieces together and you have to, you have to do that or you have to at least attempt to do that in life. And if you're disappointed in any aspect, I think now is a good time to address that. Right. Right. Yeah. That's a, that's a very good point. Um, so when you filmed, did you film pre pandemic? I did. We, <laughs> we looked up. We we wrapped principal photography in uh, November of 2019. Oh, and awesome! Because this has it, been a crazy season. 
it's a crazy season and it, it worked out great because I would have been stuck in a dark room editing and working with editors to get this done. So the pandemic locked me down and I could tell my wife, well, we can't go anywhere so I can spend 16 hours a day working on this. <laughs> That's awesome. Yes. From working without pay until three in the morning to a nationwide lockdown, Jared has been able to see the opportunity in every situation and seize it. He even reflects on how the absence of a father spurred him on to greatness. So you're married. Mm-hmm. Okay. I didn't, I, you mentioned your wife and uh, <laughs> so that's good. Um, so um, what do you think gave you hope to continue? Like when you're, you know, little and things are, you're moving around, what gave you hope to continue on in order to have, to get to success? You know, I, I think a lot of times people say, oh, do you ever miss not having a dad or do you miss certain things? When you're growing up and you're in the midst of it, that's all you know. Mm. So it, the, the, I wasn't, I don't look back on it as, oh, I was so sad and this was bad. Mm. It was life, right? right? You just kind of dealt with it. Right. And I would say, you know, gave me hope. I would say the light switch clicked on around sophomore year of high school. Okay. And I looked around me and I wasn't sad or depressed or anything, but I looked around me and I said, okay, if I don't start taking accountability for my actions in my life, then I'll, I'll stay here. And, you know, I never wanted to stay there. I never wanted to be poor forever. Right. And my whole goal was like, all right, let me get out of this situation. Let me work my way out. And I had teachers, I had coaches, I had my grandpa, I had people that supported me and made sure whenever I fell down, they were there to catch me Mm. or push me or push me along. Right. Yeah. And, and I do think uh, the snowball effect of success, you know, you get a little success, you get, you, 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 you experience, you know, uh, winning something. It's a, for me, it's addictive. I don't Mm. know if that's for everybody, but I, the first time I started like, okay, I like getting awards or I like, you know, winning. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right. Yeah. It just, it drives you. And this is a bad way to look at it. And I'm trying to change, but there's this football coach for the Redskins. I think his name is George Allen. And, um, and he said he loved, he, he he hated losing more than he loved winning. Mm. So <laughs> yes. I, I'm always constantly trying to win or trying to get better and up the ante. Yeah. So do you feel like that you're always open to learning new things? I try to be as yeah. much as as much as possible, yes. And I you know, being an independent filmmaker, right. uh, I don't think I hope I'm not always an independent filmmaker, right. but as an independent filmmaker, um, and especially creating season two or even the entire series, if somebody faltered, I had to be there to learn that job or I had to be there to pick up the slack. Wow. Um, so, you know, I if if I can't afford to pay somebody to make graphics, I go learn Photoshop. If I can't, you know, learn, you know, how to do something or if I can't pay somebody to do it, I have to learn how to do it. And if I can't learn how to do it, I have to negotiate. <laughs> like, right. You have, to, you have to say, okay, I can't pay you right now, but can I give you this? Right. Or can I give you that? Or can I give you like points? Like what, how can we get this done? Yeah. And, and it's the same thing with like locations. Like we shoot in Dallas and we had 30 plus locations in season two. You're asking somebody to wow. come into their business or come into their home or wherever it is 
for 15 to 20 hours on a Saturday or Sunday. Wow. So, and, and, and in these film projects, you don't have a big budget. So it's like, okay, you negotiate or you beg and you barter. Yes, <laughs> like, yes. I'll, I'll come in and I'll do a video for you, right? I'll put your logo in our show. You know, right. What, how, can, how can we get this done? Right. Wow. So do you feel like, um, are people pretty open about that or are they like, oh, that's too much? Uh, it depends. Okay. And you, it depends it's from person to person. I remember I was talking to a, a producer in L.A. that was trying to shop us around and he was like, hey, um, how many permits and how many, you know, how hard was it to get? I see you have a lot of locations. And I was like, well, you know, in Dallas, you know, you, you, you get permits and you you but people are a little more open. Whereas okay. if you're in L.A. or New York, there's a lot of people out there shooting and there's unions and there's people that will shut you down. Oh. Well, but in Dallas, people are a little bit more open, maybe because we're I don't know, maybe we move at a slower pace or a little more hospitable or, you know, it's just the film industry isn't as huge as they are in in those big markets. Right. Absolutely. So when you were, um, when you were 15, would you have Mm -hmm. seen yourself where you are now? Not, not in this form, not as like, not as a filmmaker. I don't think I I would have definitely thought, uh, you know, as a radio host or somebody in sports media. Yeah. Would you have, um, any advice for yourself? Your 15-year-old self? <laughs> Try to figure it out sooner. Ah, <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, so at 15, I would probably say keep doing what you're doing, continue to work hard, mm-hmm. and probably try to be more purposeful when you get to college. Like I was very personal and I worked hard and I tried a lot of things, but sometimes when you try to be jack of all trades and you end up being master of nothing. Yes. And, you know, kind of like when I went to L.A. and I was – I interned for two record labels. I didn't really want to work at a record label. I was just looking for an internship in L.A. Whereas if I went back and said, hey, you're going to get a chance to go to L.A. for an entire summer. How about you intern at a film studio? And when the producer of your, the teacher of your class, who also is a big time producer, says he likes your movie. How about you stick out there, stay out there a couple extra weeks and meet with him? Right. Yeah. And, and maybe, you know, sometimes you don't even realize what those opportunities are until it's Mm -hmm. hindsight. You know what I'm saying? So you you definitely don't like attending UT, all the stuff that I got to do as a, like a student that knew nothing. I was on the sidelines of the cotton bowl at the UT uh, Oklahoma game. And now I would kill to be on the sidelines, but <laughs> out every year I was on the sidelines. Oh, wow. I, I took it for granted. I'm over here walking around on the sidelines with LeBron James and, and Emma Smith, and I'm just like, yeah, this is life. You know, this, oh, is, this is where I'm supposed to be. But now you look back and like, man, that was, that was kind of cool. Wow. And it's interesting when you're not in that position where you're um, a part of the in crowd or the invited, you know, you go, oh, that was really nice when I was in that situation. You don't appreciate it until, you know, until you're not in that situation. So I know what you're saying. Um, so what what would you like for people to take away from your story? Uh, my story as a whole is mm-hmm. perseverance, mm-hmm. you know, and consistency i would say perseverance in my adolescence and basically not getting caught up in what you don't have 
and taking advantage of all that you do because there are opportunities in crisis like we're finding now with COVID and a pandemic. Everybody, you know, some people are woe is me and then there's other people like this is an opportunity. This is a chance to do something different in my life. Um, And then I would say in my in my later years is just consistency and it's cliche, but I learned this in grad school and it's really helped me with, um, with being an independent filmmaker. Cause it's so hard and grad going to grad school at night and on the weekends is hard. It's, yeah. it's about showing up every day and you get overwhelmed by the enormity of what you're trying to do. But if you can just break it down into small tasks and I, what I do is I have a list of my iPhone and it's in the notes and I just, mm-hmm. every day I have tasks to do and it always contributes to a bigger goal. But if I look at the bigger goal, I'll just get bogged down and I won't be mm-hmm. able to get anything accomplished. Yes. Um, so I would say perseverance and then just consistency showing up every day wow. and chip away at life. Don't try to, you know, if you try, if you go out, if you, if you set out to do something monumental, it can't be accomplished unless every single day you're chipping away at it. Wow. That's, that's really good. That's some really <laughs> good you. advice. Um, I like that. I agree with that. So at the end of the day, maybe you just need to be at the right place at the right time. Maybe you need to carry the purse of an interviewer so that you might get to talk to a famous hip hop artist. But according to Jared, it takes a lot of work to get to the right place at the right time. So um, so tell us where we can find season two. So we are launching on September 2nd, okay. which I think I think this will air after that. But season two of season one is on Amazon Prime. Season two will be up there as well. But also it'll be on watchseries.com. Oh, good. Um, which, is, which is our own platform, and we're trying to build that out. But it's always good to be on Amazon as well. Yes, not a bad thing. Because <laughs> you want to, you want. Here's another tip I've learned: fish where the fish are at. You know, mm, there you go. <laughs> so that that's where the that's where the viewers are. So yes, it'll be on watchers.com and Amazon on our first iteration. Okay. You never know what's going to happen in the future. No. Okay. So is it wa- washedseries.com? Correct. Okay, with an E-D. Yes, ma'am. W-A-S-H-E-D series.com. Mm-hmm. Okay, awesome. Well, um, thank you so much for your time. I sure do appreciate it. I wish you all the luck. I, I think thank this you. is awesome, and you've come, you've done amazing things with your life already, and you're young. <laughs> thank you so much. It's, uh, it's, thank you for the kind words, and uh it's been, a, it's been an exciting experience, this life of mine. <laughs> yes, it has been. You've done so much, but thank you so much. Thank you for listening to this episode of Kaval the Podcast. We hope you enjoyed it and that you will subscribe, download, and share this on your social media pages and with your family and friends. If you find yourself in a desperate place, it is our desire that you would be able to borrow hope from those who've gone before you and shared their stories. They have exemplified the meaning of Kava, learning to wait during difficult times to find an eventual positive outcome. I can't express my gratitude for my head writer, Rebecca Gray, and audio engineer, Meredith Douglas. I would not be able to do this without you. For more information, please visit kavathepodcast.com. Thank you for listening and have a wonderful day.